no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> It's been a big week, hasn't it? Hasn't it just? It certainly has. The, the international break, uh, we thought it would be a, a bit of a lull, but instead uh, it's been some drama on, on the football field and also with uh, Taylor Swift, you know, releasing her red Taylor's version uh, with the 10 minute All Too Well. Me and Will be a big fans of uh, T-Swizz and, and All Too Well. <laughs> Particularly that song, really. Yeah. I've listened to it many a times in this exact room. In this exact room when studying, yeah. It really uh, hits home for us. Not that we have any, it has any uh, you know, personal significance. <laughs> significance, but yeah. Um, so yeah. That was exciting. That was really, that was really exciting. But anyway, uh, a, lot, a lot's gone on in the, the football world too uh, with uh, the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, and we didn't, we actually didn't even consider this last week when we were going into the international break because we were like, it's not going to be that interesting. But uh, as it happens, there has been some interesting stuff that has happened. So, some quite a few teams have finalized uh, qualification for the World Cup. Uh, we've got uh, pretty much the entire UEFA Europe section of, of um, World Cup qualification, aside from playoffs, has been finalized. So we've got uh, group topping, uh, the people who've topped their respective groups and have qualified automatically for the World Cup. Serbia, Spain, Switzerland, France, Belgium, Denmark, the Netherlands, Croatia, England, and Germany. Some notable absentees from that list. Uh, we've got Portugal and Italy. Um, Euro champions to playoffs. <laughs> To cellar dwellers, yeah. Well, you just love to see it, really, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. with the um, the hurt of the uh, of the recent Euro final. Um, yeah, they've had a real fall. They've lost that unbeaten record that everyone spoke about so much. What's his name? Jorginho missed a penalty. <laughs> He's missed two against Switzerland now. Jan Summers got him figured out. So good. You just you just love to see it. Oh, after all the stuff about how how good of a penalty taker he was, yeah, I'd love to see it. <laughs> But yeah, um, despite the fact that Italy have only conceded, uh, I'm pretty sure they've only conceded two goals in eight games. It just doesn't, I don't know, they've, they've, they've won four and drawn four. It just, they just seem to not have it going on the offensive end, only, only scoring 13 in those eight games. And the nil-all draw against Northern Ireland really you know, symbolizes that. It's just they just can't seem to get it going against teams that they really should be beating. Yeah, I suppose, like, Switzerland have also done quite well to, to top the group, but yeah, a nil or draw against Northern Ireland is always going to... Especially in a two-horse race where, where Switzerland where Switzerland beat them. It's, it's yeah, it's always going to be difficult. But yeah, I feel like Switzerland are always surprisingly good. Yeah. They, have, they don't have players that you would necessarily think could bring them up a level, like, like Shaka and... Um, Shakiri, Shakiri, yeah. yeah, but they just absolutely kill it for the national on the world side. stage. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and the fact that they've done they've done these these past few games without Shaka as well, who usually is like their captain and like main man, is is again impressive. But 
Yeah, uh, the other obvious uh, notable absentee from uh, the automatic qualification is Portugal, losing in dramatic fashion to Serbia on the final game day. Uh, Mitrovic. That was some game. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Especially because Portugal's, Portugal's goal was contentious, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, Mitrovic, you know, scoring the penalty. Was, I think it was a penalty? To win to, no, it was a header. It was a header. 89th minute. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, scoring the header, sorry, to, to win it and then taking his shirt off. And did you hear the story about how the president of Serbia um, uh, said they'd have a million-dollar bonus or million-euro bonus for the team if they if they qualified? Um, what out of the public coffers? He just said he was going to give him one. Uh. So they, 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 they qualified and he gave him one and they donated it all back to a charity to help less fortunate people, which is... Well, that's just lovely. It's just lo- you just love to hear it, don't you? <laughs> the beautiful game. Yeah. <laughs> so just to break down the um, the somewhat tricky playoff uh, thing, because I didn't know it was this um, weird until I read about it. Uh, so we've got the three... Uh, the final th- so basically UEFA has 13 places in the World Cup and 10 have been taken by the automatic qualifications from the various 10 from the 10 groups uh, and it goes the way it's noted here is the three final places will be allocated via playoffs this will involve the 10 runners up plus the two best ranked group winners from the 2020-2021 UEFA Nations League who did not finish in the top two in their qualifying group <laughs> Right. <laughs> now that is a lot to unpack there. Um, so apparently, Austria and Czech Republic qualified with that Nations League coefficient, whatever. Um, and there will be three routes, each with four teams featuring a semi-final and a final for a place in the World Cup. The playoffs will be held are to be held in March 2022, and the draw is seeded based upon qualifying round points. The two UEFA Nations League teams will be unseeded. Uh, and the seeded teams are as follows Portugal, Scotland, Italy, Russia, Sweden, and Wales, and the unseeded teams Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, Austria, and the Czech Republic. The seeded seeding really only means home games, essentially. Seeded teams will get home games, unseeded teams won't. So, uh, the, thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I was just reading it before and I was like, this is ridiculous. Uh, but so. There's definitely some potential for interesting matchups in there. So obviously, Portugal, Scotland, Italy, Russia, Sweden, and Wales. I don't see them playing each other straight away, but they may have to play each other in like the final, not in the semi-final. Yeah. So, do you see any uh, potential uh, banana skin games here for Italy or Portugal, or do you reckon it'll be smooth sailing? I think Sweden are a really like really good team, and I like Spain only just beat them. Um, in the most recent qualifiers with Murata's goal I think it was 1-0 but yeah Emil Forsberg Ishak they've got some really good players so I think that that could be difficult for them but apart from who, who are the other two Sweden Portugal so, Italy so you've got Portugal Scotland Italy Russia Sweden Wales seeded teams then Turkey Poland North Macedonia Ukraine Austria and the Czech Republic yeah I mean I think I see maybe Wales and Sweden being the more the, the more difficult I want to for I, Italy and I want to say Scotland will be, but I, I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah, but when we're watching them in the Euros, they didn't. They didn't really nah. show anything that was yeah. warranting of like this. Yes, they could do it against yeah. some better teams. But yeah, so I, you I, never I, know though. You, you never know, know. and who, who knows? Like everyone thought Turkey were going to be amazing before the Euros. They weren't, but maybe they fi- they find their way and turn up. 
I'd love to see North Macedonia make it. Yeah, you really would. Bandiv. <laughs> uh, and who knows, the Czech Republic are also are a team that can, you know, sometimes get up for a game. But again, yeah, if it's not Sweden, I don't really see another team knocking one of those two teams out. And one of those two teams will definitely be going through, Portugal or Italy. It's just whether or not one of them doesn't yeah, it make doesn't, it. doesn't quite make it. I think Poland could be, I mean, Lewandowski can always turn a game. True. And that's all you need in these playoffs. So, do you think? Uh, uh, sorry, out of the two, Portugal and Italy, who do you think makes it? Like, who's it? Sorry, who do you think is more likely to not make it? Then, let me rephrase. I think <laughs> I want to say Italy, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say Italy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, I just I think I don't know. There's, Portugal have a crazy, crazy team. Renato Sanchez seems to just be getting better and better. Bernardo Silva's obviously class. Ronaldo, Bruno, yeah. Italy. I suppose they they have a good team, but there's less of those standout players. I reckon. Yeah, I just think like Italy match up well against anyone in world football because they're just like they're like defense is super solid and they they're hardworking all over the pitch, well managed. But I just think there's less of those game breaking players in their team that like if they're struggling to pull a win out like they have been in the qualifying groups there's no Ronaldo there's no Bruno there's like well there's not no one but like they've got Chiesas and types of that but like there's less of those players who are going to be like take the game and just score a wonder goal or like win a penalty or something like that yeah you feel like Chiesa is the only one like it's like Insigne I don't think he doesn't really going to knock not really going to break a game apart he's also and like quite being the high tier is quite one dimensional yeah like, yeah, it's cut inside, and then Immobile. Yeah, don't rate him very highly. Don't rate him. Uh, outside of the city, he kills it in the city. But outside of the city, I don't rate him very highly at all. We, I, I do admit that we could be a little biased with this. Though. We could be a little biased, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that Portugal just have more. This is going to quote unquote game breaking ability in yeah. their team. <laughs> no, they definitely do. They definitely do. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick little uh, look around uh, the other. Uh, I don't even know what they're called conferences I guess yeah uh, so in CONCACAF which is uh, Central America and North America we've got after 8 games we've got Canada leading on 16 points ahead of the United States on 15 points Mexico and Panama both on 14 points god I would love to see the United States miss out I would love to see it yeah. I would love to see it it would be so funny because like they, because Concacaf get three and a half places, so like all it takes is for like Panama and Mexico to get their shit together, and US could miss out. But it doesn't I mean, look like it's, it's it's tricky to see. Like yeah. surely Mexico and um, Mexico and the US go through. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah, also looking like Canada are the best team in that, and I, I would I don't think Canada were in the last World Cup, so I would like to see them this time around. Yeah, Alfonso Davies. And yeah, I saw all the banners for Davies when they when they played at home recently. Oh, That's true. Pretty cool. Yeah. Do you reckon? He, do you, I, I don't. I don't. I, this, I don't watch Canadian football at all. But I, like, do you reckon? Like, even though he's only like twenty years old or twenty one years old, he surely would be like captain by now. He's like. Well, he's he's surely their best player. Easily, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's CONCACAF. Then we move on to CONMEBOL, which is the entire continent of South America, and it's all one group, which is a bit weird. Uh, 10 countries, one group. Um, so Brazil have already qualified. They're through. Um, they're the only other team apart from Qatar um, that has qualified outside of Europe. Uh, and then next we've got... So just to just to recap, Conmebol gets 
uh, four and a half places. Um, Got his tricky dance. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so they uh, so next is Argentina on twenty nine, Ecuador on twenty three, Colombia on and Peru equal on seventeen, and then literally like it's like seventeen, seventeen, sixteen, sixteen, fifteen all the way down to the second last team, Paraguay, on 13 points. So it's wide open. Yeah. I don't know how many games are left in that, but um, yeah, really anyone, like after Argentina and Ecuador, literally anyone could grab that last four slash half a spot. Uh, for me, it's, it's it, for me, I, I, something about, I always just trust Uruguay to pull it out of the bag. So something about Uruguay and Colombia is my pick, but like Peru and Chile, like they're there, they're, they're there or thereabouts. So... Yeah, I feel like Uruguay seemed more of a sure thing than Colombia. Colombia, I don't know. All I know is that Yeremina's been out for a long time. Yeah. And obviously, James Rodriguez has fallen by the wayside. So they've got Luis Diaz, who had a good Copa America. But yeah, Uruguay have got the, again, the game breakers. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in that. Uh, and then the last two, we've got Africa. Uh, quite a few sections in this. Um so we're not going to spend too much time here, but out. So I'll just go through the group leaders. We've got Algeria leading Group A, Tunisia leading Group B, uh, Nigeria leading Group C, Cameroon leading Group uh, D. Only two points ahead of Ivory Coast, who you'd also expect to make it. Mali ahead of Group E, uh, Egypt topping Group F, Ghana topping Group G, Senegal topping Group H, Morocco topping Group I. They're easily no one's going to catch them. Morocco. Uh, yeah, well, uh, Hakim Ziyech. Ah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, just ahead of, by one point of Benin in Group J. A lot of teams in there. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, interesting, Mali's, Mali's top. Yeah, Mali's, they're, they're, their group is considerably weak. It's Mali, Uganda, Kenda, and Kenya, and Rwanda. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really know how, uh, con- con- no, sorry, the CAF works. I'm assuming it's just the, because the uh, CAF only gets, let me just double check, three point five places. So, like, really, <laughs> there's ten groups there. Um, so there's going to have to be some sort of playoff. And yeah, I don't know. For me, looking at this very briefly, I would have to say Egypt will probably get one. And then after that, you got Algeria, Nigeria, Cameroon, Ivory Coast. Ghana, Senegal, Morocco, like, yeah, that's really, that's, that's up in the air, very up in the air. And then lastly, um, we've got the, the AFC, the Asian contingent, uh, two groups of six teams, Iran currently first in group A, two points ahead of South Korea, no other teams close. And then in group B, Saudi Arabia, surprisingly on top with 16 points, four points ahead of Japan on 12, who are one point ahead of Australia on 11 and no other teams really in contention after that. Yeah, that that Australia Saudi Arabia game recently. I think that that was a qualifier too. That yeah. was that was woeful watching. Yeah, not <laughs> it was good. Really, really difficult. So yeah, again, uh, the AFC only gets three and a half spots as well. So it could be tough for Australia to get out of this because uh, I'm not really sure. I think they'll have to play and they probably will have to play another incontinental playoff, uh, a la you know 2006 against Uruguay type vibes. <laughs> Not the, not the quite the same team though. No, not but yeah, quite. like surely we're in that top three with South Korea and Japan as that's the best. But maybe that's just 
what I think based on yeah. my bias. Again. I mean, I think I think Iran have been getting steadily better over the past few years. Um, I know, weirdly, Iran are very good at futsal. In like then they were in the futsal World Cup. I don't know if that translates to the outdoor field. Um, but yeah, Saudi Arabia. I know we're at Russia 2018, but they were really terrible. But maybe in this part of the world where they're playing against other teams who are of a similar level, not you know World Cup finalists, they're very good. So all to play for really outside of Europe. I mean, and still in Europe with the, with the uh, playoffs. But focusing on one team uh, in the back back to Europe. We've got England, so we weren't going to we weren't going to let you guys get away with us not talking about England. <laughs> so uh, qualified top of their group with the best goal difference out of anyone in UEFA, just quietly. Um, and their last two games, albeit against Albania and San Marino, fifteen goals scored, zero goals conceded. Uh, Harry Kane scored seven in two games. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Top of the world right now. Harry Maguire scored a scored a header and uh, silenced the critics. <laughs> that was That's actually cold. that was actually hilarious the way Roy Keane wrote yeah. it as well. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh jeez. What's he done there? Why don't you play a better for Man United? <laughs> it is it is it is really a ridiculous thing to do when he's been so shit for United. You score against Albania. I don't know. I don't know if you're really silencing anyone there. Um Jordan Henderson's goal was really, really nice yeah, against Albania. Really well taken. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was class. And then, yeah, the um, the San Marino game was just an absolute. I mean, they're just a terrible team, and and, yeah. and we say no one else. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of an easy group that 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 England have to to qualify. True, but then like every team, every group has very beatable teams in it. I know San Marino are the whipping boy of all whipping boys. Yeah. But also, like I was saying to Wilbur off air before, when's the last time I've seen someone beat San Marino 10 0? Been a while. <laughs> they also went down to 10 men. <laughs> they did also go down to 10 men. Um, with 30 minutes to play. So, yeah. yeah. But well, one thing I will say about the San Marino game is it was really good to see, especially if you look at like the team lineup to start the game, very young already. And then you got Gallagher coming on, Tammy Abraham coming on, Ramsdale with his first uh, senior cap. Um, Emil Smith Rowe with his first uh, senior senior start. Uh, Saka and Emil Smith Rowe grabbing goals. Tammy Abraham grabbing a goal. Um, and yeah, a lot of young blood, a lot of young exciting young blood in this. A lot of young exciting, young, a lot of young exciting uh, fresh blood in these teams, and uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely great to see. It's, it's interesting they play with the back three in in both games. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like a Gareth trying trialing like a, a plan B. For yeah. The top, for the if 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 like the four two three one isn't working, you know, maybe something to transition to. It's just weird though because I feel like when we're talking about the Euros, they um they played the three at the back when they wanted to be more defensive, which is I don't know. Mm. But then it was interesting. Like in the in the in the first game against Albania, he played Reese James and Ben Shaw, which is probably more a defensive back three with the two wing backs. But then in this game, he played Trent and Bukayo Saka. Yeah, as the wing backs, which was much more offensive. So, and also he played. I think he played a midfield of Phillips and Jude Bellingham, which yeah. is really quite enjoyable to watch too, as opposed to Rice and Henderson in the first game. Do you, well, do you feel like that's our best? Oh no, probably Rice is in there, but surely Bellingham is going to be the best box to box midfielder we have in the next yeah five years. Yeah, probably. I think if you, if the World Cup started tomorrow, I. 
would still play a four two three one. Um, that's like the same. Like the I don't I, I don't know who I'd have at left back anymore because Luke Shaw's been so bad. Um, and yeah, Ben Chil- and, and Ben so yeah and Ben Chilwell has been so good. But I think yeah you have like as good as Calvin Phillips is. I think with Henderson on form, you have Rice and Henderson in the middle. Um, then you have. Uh, any combination for me of uh, Sterling, Saka, and Foden um, in across that front three, but behind Harry Kane, um, and yeah, it's just and then obviously you've got what Clay. about what about Smith Rowe? Would you, I think he's not he's not he's, he's not, quite. not quite earned a start yet um, on the biggest stage on the biggest stage, but it's good to see him in the team, and I hope he stays in the team now to the World Cup because I think he's has he has game breaking ability for sure. Um, especially coming off the bench, fresh legs against a tired defense. He, he can run with the ball almost as fast as he can run without it. So, It is something that, yeah, we spoke about in terms of... Um, I can't remember who we're comparing. We're, we're talking about Mount not being able to break games apart because he sort of slots into the Chelsea team, which is already very good. But yeah, speak about um, Bukayo Saka and Emil, Emil Smithrow. They're definitely the type of players that... England have lacked yeah, I and reckon at big tournaments they just take the game on a very direct I don't know and he hasn't played much in an England shirt yet either but Conor Gallagher as well like similar mm. level of like 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 uh, defence splitting passes can shoot from anywhere in and around the box like yeah he's yeah. again another one and again it comes from a sort of he's just done it for Crystal Palace Some, sometimes players can go on young players can go on loan to lesser teams and just sort of do a job. He's been part of the reason why Crystal Palace have been have been so arguably good. their best player with Lexa Wolf Sahar. Yeah, this season anyway. Yeah, yeah, he seems more influential through the middle. Um, but yeah, so a talking point. Yeah, <laughs> how how long until uh, Aaron Ramsdale is um, England's sort of nailed on number one? I, I don't know because there's not a lot of football played between now and the World Cup I, I still think Pickford will start in the World Cup but personally I think he's better on the ball than Jordan Pickford is and shot stopping wise it's for me I'm a little bit biased but like for me it's it's you know it's pretty even so I, I think for the next major tournament after the World Cup he could be really knocking on that door what do you think? I think I, I think Pickford gets a lot of a lot of stick, and I feel like there might be pressure to drop Pickford. But the other thing is that I think Southgate will come into it quite a lot because he he seems to stick with players that have, have that have done well for him. And Pickford does do well for the England national team, regardless of his club form. Every time he puts on an England shirt, he kills it. Exactly. So I think that might be why. And Pickford's been playing fine too. Like he. I think he had the season before the Euros. That's when he might have not been picked, but I think Pope was injured. Was Pope was yeah? Pope was injured. So yeah, he got lucky there. But yeah, I don't think he's done anything to lose it before the World Cup. But yeah, I, I think moving forward, Ramsdale should. I think yeah yeah go on. I think yeah because I, I think like you said they've they've got a similar shot stopping ability. Um, <laughs> and. He's better on the ball, but then also just seems like a better guy to have around the, the yeah. <laughs> I also think, like, after seeing what I've seen from Pickford, I don't know how old he is now, like 25 or 6 now or something like that, but 
I think with Ramsdale only being 23, I think just from what I've seen, I think his ceiling might be higher and potential wise as well. Like he, I, I he's, yeah. he's 27. He's 27. So like Pickford's pretty much in his prime right now. This is arguably, oh, he's entering his prime right now. Yeah, entering, yeah. Um, so like, I don't know how much better Pickford's, like Pickford's good, a very good keeper right now. I don't know how much better he's going to get. I can see Rams, Ramsdale's already, for me, quite good. I know it's only been a small sample. Okay, it's not. Okay, no, it actually hasn't been a that small sample side of again because he's played three seasons in the Premier League, and yeah, and he was great for Bournemouth, great for Sheffield. Yeah, and just had bad defenses in front of him. He's now got a good defense or a decent defense in front of him, and he's showing that he is soon to be probably a world class goalkeeper. So that's why I just think like slightly higher ceiling, better on the ball. I don't know the locker room better better around the locker room. That's that's neither here nor there. But um, for all we know, Jordan Pickford could be an absolute legend behind the scenes. But it's, nah, he seems weird. Yeah, he does seem weird. He <laughs> <laughs> seems so weird. So yeah, I would say not. The, Jordan's got it locked on for the World Cup. Uh, but if someone gets injured, it's it's Ramsdale. I think he's better than Johnston. Yeah, I think so. I think Johnston's older too, right? Yeah, he's twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and that definitely comes into it. Mm. So, uh, moving on from the wonderful world of international football, that's not a sentence I say very often, <laughs> we've got uh, some more business in the manager market in the Premier League that will be interesting to watch as um, we come into the res- resumption of the world's greatest league uh, this weekend. So, f- the first one we discuss is... Uh, so, yeah, Dean Smith... So they Norwich sacked Farker before Smith got sacked. Oh, really? And then ten days after Smith got sacked, he's been signed for. Um, he signed with Norwich City for two and a half years after Frank Lampard withdrew from consideration. Did he withdrew, or did, or did they not want him? No, nah, he he withdrew consideration for the job. Mate, he's got no bottle. He's got no bottle. <laughs> he can't handle it. He can't handle it. And another interesting fact is that. Um, He'll play Southampton in his first game for Norwich and played them in his last game for Aston Villa. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A fun fact. <laughs> if he can keep them up, that'd be wild. It'd be incredible. But I think um, it's a win-win for Norwich. Either he keeps them up, which he's he's shown to to have been able to do with Villa in a tricky situation. Probably not quite as tricky as this. But... Um, but if they do go down, he's there for two and a half years. Like we were talking about, I think Norwich is a long-term sort of prospect. They give their managers time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's proven that he can get teams back up into the Premier League as well. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I love it. I think it's a great appointment. Um, yeah, like it, it, he's just a very sort of, you know, serious, like get the job done. No sort of, you know, unnecessary whatever. Like he just... Got a, it's got a style he likes to play. He plays it. He gets gets like he, all these players to work really hard. I mean, you, I, you can say this about a lot of managers, but like, yeah, it's just. I don't think that Jack Grealish was like the only thing that was keeping Villa like good. Like Grealish was at Villa before Dean Smith came along, um, and they weren't anywhere. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, I think yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good manager, and like. I don't know if he's going to keep him up because Norwich, the the squad that Norwich have just isn't very good. He if maybe he can make some January additions. I don't know, but um, who knows? If anyone can do it, it's him. He can buy Buendia back. Yeah, <laughs> it will take him back. 
Um, but yeah, he, he seems like, yeah, I think everyone Aston Villa loves him, even though they sacked him. But And it seems like a very tight-knit club, so I think he'll probably fit in well there. I mm. wonder if he can get more out of Billy Gilmore than um, Daniel Farker could, because Billy Gilmore wasn't starting every game for Norwich. I think that'll be a big a big thing, if he can get him playing well. Mm. Yeah, Norwich back on track. Also, we'd like to see a bit more from that American striker that Norwich have, that redhead guy called Josh Sargent. I haven't seen much of him, but uh, from what I have seen, I've liked it. So I would I just just try something different because at this point the team that they're putting out every week isn't doing the business. Although they did win against Brentford, like something's got to change. So they've got some players there, and yeah, I, I suppose having someone who can deputize for Timmy Puki is important because they're heavily reliant. heavily reliant on him. If he doesn't work out, then yeah. Also, I'm not I, again. I haven't really been following Norwich play too much, but um, Ozan Kabak they signed, and I'm not sure if he's been playing or not. But I think he's been playing a little bit. Like I saw him make one really nice run from centre back to almost the other opposition box. Oh yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, but yeah, um, getting him involved more would be good for sure. Um, otherwise, yeah, like maybe maybe a midfielder or another offensive player in January. But I think yeah, they'll definitely need a couple of signings. I think they need some wide players because like I don't I don't think they're replace Buendia yeah, yeah. Like, and like they've got Cantwell midfielder Puki striker sergeant striker and then some centre midfielders but not a whole lot of pace on the wing yeah they've got Max Ahrens but he's a right back yeah but yeah. he's pace on the wing yeah he's pace on the wing but yeah <laughs> not, pa- not pace further enough up the pitch on yeah, the yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah it remains to be seen how well he'll do um, and we'll keep a close eye on that one but another the next uh, managerial signing we'll sign oh, managerial signing uh, we'll talk about is a club that sacked Dean Smith and they replaced him with Steven Gerrard uh, another Premier League playing legend returning to the Premier League as a manager although this one with a little bit more experience at being at winning things than some of the others other Frank Lampard so Steven Gerrard comes to uh, um, Aston Villa sorry with a record of, at Rangers of 192 games in charge, uh, 124 wins, 41 draws, and 27 losses. Uh, he also went undefeated last season, and as, as Rangers won the, fir- won the league for the first time in 10 years, stopping Celtic from going 10 in a row, which apparently was a massive deal. I'm not sure if you've seen all like the interviews with the fans outside the stadium, and they're like, how do you feel about Steven Gerrard leaving? And they're like, oh, you know... Don't like to see him go, but you know he stops the Celtic winning ten in a row. So that yeah. wasn't a Scottish accent at all. What am I doing? That <laughs> <laughs> no, was, was really good. But yeah, no, I I, I saw those. I, I I saw those interviews. I think yeah, that's a that's a big thing. But the the more I think about it, the like, sure he's gone away and done a bit of work. But you know, like Ollie went away and did some work. Like probably in an easier league. I just, I, I just think that potentially winning the league in, in Scotland is not that big of a CV. True. Taking it off Celtic, maybe, but they've also been through a bit of a rough patch in the last couple of years. Well, it's just the post-Brennan Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But like going unbeaten in any league is impressive. It is impressive. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, like, it wasn't like, like you know, uh, some wins and a bunch of draws. They went 32 wins, six draws. Hmm. And like, went 100 points as well. Yeah. 
Like I still, it's it's tricky. And but, like, do you think Steven Gerrard's got a better CV than Dean Smith? No. Yeah, I just feel like they they're picking players, on, they're picking managers on names, and yeah. We've, we've I think I think players. I think it's it's a little bit of that, but I think it's less of that than Chelsea picking Frank Lampard for sure. Yeah, I think because like Gerrard's actually won stuff. I'm not saying he's going to win anything with Aston Villa, but like he 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 knows how to win things. And like, and he knows like you know he, he the, I, from what I saw of watching the hand on heart. The only time I watched Rangers games was in the Europa League. But like very fast, very hardworking, fly up and down the pitch. Like if he can get Villa like that, like any team that plays like that will be a hard team to beat. And at the moment, they need to be a hard team to beat because they're losing. What, five on the bounce so yeah it, yeah he obviously w- would demand a lot of respect as well but yeah it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it goes yeah. it, it, if it works it'll be absolutely incredible for his managerial career oh yeah huge and also like because he signed I think for like three years I think at Villa or something like that I'm not 100% but um, uh, yeah three and a half year deal at the Premier League club and if he kills it and has them flirting with the top 10 or in the top 10 in three years when Jurgen Klopp goes on his sabbatical, yeah, who knows? He does, Yeah, because I suppose he doesn't need to do that much. Just keep them he up just, around mid-table. Yeah, and even just like have them flirt with it. If it like best case scenario, he has them flirting with Europa League spots or, yeah. com- or Conference League spots. And go on a, and go on a cup run. Yeah. Like if you, just imagine like Villa like... Villa finish between 10th and 8th. Like, or maybe Villa stay up this season and then they finish, you know, 10th or 8th over the next two seasons and maybe win, maybe like make the final of an FA Cup or something. Then I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's ready to coach Liverpool then, but like that's success in my opinion. Yeah. I think also the he doesn't come into a very overly tricky position like like not not very comparable with like not even comparable with the, with the Norwich City um, sort of situation. Like the bones of what Dean Smith has left at Villa, at Villa can be a good, yeah. you know, top ten side. I mean, like it's, it's this like minus Jack Grealish, but plus a few other players. It is a top ten side. Or sorry, they finished eleventh, but like yeah, like it's 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 a it's a side ready to do well. And maybe missing maybe like one centre midfielder, but like it's a side that has proven it can do well. And it's the side that just needs to just readjust, uh, get back on the right track, re- full, properly readjust to not having Jack Grealish, get some of their players who are injured back, are you Leon Bailey's stuff, players like that, and yeah, and also I think players like Leon Bailey and players I think that will come back into the team like Bertrand Chiroes will f- flourish under Steven Gerrard because he has he would often use really pacey guys for Rangers like Ryan Kent is an, is one example who was just ex- like lightning fast. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think I'm skeptical as well. Maybe not that skeptical as you about appointing these managers who are really good players, but I think this one out of the Xavi, Lampard and him and Ole, he has, from what I've seen from the way he's coached his teams, he, I trust him the most out of any of those four. His team. Yeah. His team. Sorry. His team. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just think. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad appointment, but I was just sort of looking into into Dean into Dean Smith for um, to speak about this Norwich job and just thinking the difference is a, a name. Yeah. 
but yeah, the, the other thing, the, the thing that comes with the name is good footballing knowledge, which probably means that he has a high ceiling as a manager as well. True, so, but, and also it might it might not like it's a, it's a name, but also it might have just been like things were going stale with Dean Smith, and they just needed to freshen up. Yeah, and like of the rest of the people they were talking to, he probably got it because of his name. But I, I think yeah, it might not have been like necessarily comparable with Dean Smith. It just might have been like, well, if not Dean Smith, who? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all the bits sad though. Yeah. You know? no. Boyhood fan of the club. Yeah, I know. Cop some injuries. Anyway. But yeah, it'll be interesting. If Leon Bailey can stay fit, they'll be fine. I think he's really integral. for. He he essentially is the Jack Grealish replacement, but he's just not really been playing up to, like, well, he's not been playing. Not, he hasn't been playing up to the level. He just hasn't been playing full stop. He needs to figure out as well how to fit Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings into the same side. Yeah. Get Buendia playing better. Yeah. That, and that often happens when the new manager comes in. Mm. I'm not actually sure he'll go for Buendia. I, I got a weird feeling it's he'll, gonna be, he'll, he'll gonna be kicked out. Not kicked out, but he'll be he'll be he'll be it'll be more of a bit part role. I think I can see him sticking with players like Bertrand Traore, Leon Bailey, maybe even like El Ghazi over over him. They're just more direct than um, and they're also just more uh, conditioned to the Premier League than Buendia is. What's next for him? When do you? That's a big question. Yeah, it's a big question. But we'll have to answer that one <laughs> in another week. episode. Uh, so yeah, Premier League action returns this week. Just before we go, let's let's quickly look at some games because I'm sure there's some... Oh, Arsenal-Liverpool this week. Can't go away without talking about that one. Uh, how do we see that one going? Oh, and Leicester-Chelsea. So yeah, those are the two. Oh, and, C- oh, and City-Everton. All right, okay. Let's quickly go through these. Before we sign off, um, just 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 some quick thoughts. So I think Liverpool are going to. I think we're going to big. It's going to be close. We're not, like we're, we're a tough team to beat these days, but Liverpool will beat us. Um, it is at Anfield. Too. So I, I reckon two yeah. one, maybe maybe two nil, but it'll be like we'll be like we'll be tougher to beat. Yeah, I I, th- I think it'd be a good test of. Um, wait, is Mo Salah? Would he pick, would he be up against Tomiyasu? No. Nah, he'll be up against um, Tierney. He'll probably be back from injury. Tierney will be back. Yeah. True. It would have been a good test for Tavares too, but Tierney's been playing for Scotland, so I'm assuming he's not straight back into the team. But either way, Tierney or Tavares is a good test. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I see it going uh, Liverpool's way. Um, I think it'll be a good test for Tommy Asu against Sadio Mane. Yeah. I don't think he's come up against a player that good in the, in the run we've been on. But neither is Sadio Mane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think Liverpool win that. Well, what about um, Leicester Chelsea? I think Leicester could nab one here. I think they'll be like they'll be they'll be wanting to come back after um, what was it? They had they they lost to to us two weeks ago, and then they drew one all with Leeds last week. So I think they're in need of a result. Um, Harvey Barnes also scored a banger last week, so he could be finding some form. Which is huge. He's so good. Yeah, he, when he's good, he's really good. Um, so and also, I don't know. Chelsea have been winning games to their credit, but like I said, every time they've come up against a good team, they've just looked not as good. So I think this would be. I think this could be ending a draw, or maybe I don't know. I, 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 just because of how good Chelsea are defensively, I don't. Know, I'm hesitant to say Leicester win, but like I could see like a one all or a two all here. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna say narrow win for for Chelsea. Just because they are on a roll and they are top of the league. They're top of the league. They're good defensively. 
And Leicester have been shaky so far this season. They have, they have. Um, Manchester City Everton, a blockbuster. We're eighteen dollars. Eighteen dollars. Look, um, yeah, look, we haven't got four DCL <laughs> four defenders. DCL still out. Yeah, yeah, he's out. Decore's out. Yerimina's still out. Yeah, Decore. They said he was progressing well. It wouldn't be too long after the. Um, but he will be out for this game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look. At the Eddie had. At the Eddie had, yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll be like a massive blowout because I think Rafa will know they're gonna throw everything at us and he's probably just gonna park the bus a bit. Mm. Uh, but like probably like a two nil, maybe a three nil. Uh, hard to see you guys scoring with your limited offensive options. Yeah, it's just very difficult to organise. Yeah, the def- the defensive options as well are actually quite slim. Holgate's been playing terribly, like a, <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> Um. Yeah. There's no. I mean, Alan's still in this this side, but there's no really creative midfield option. Yeah, it's probably just going to be like a back four, then two DMs, Alan and Gabarman, and then just yeah, see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Anyway, it's not too fun to talk about. <laughs> just give us give us a prediction before we sign off. Um, I say two nil. 2-0 to City yeah okay yeah. cool so tune in next week to find out if any if our predictions were right because <laughs> we, we like to think that we're often quite good at giving these predictions also I, I, did I say 1-0 to Chelsea you said a narrow win to Chelsea 1-0 yeah, one one yeah. yeah okay cool um, alright uh, so yeah that's it uh, follow, make sure that's another another episode in the books I think this is episode 29 if I'm not mistaken uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram it's uh, the 40 yards for, no it's 40 yards switch dot pod and uh, on Spotify, it's just the 40-yard switch. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week, I guess. Thank you.